Through the storm, Jesus is Lord, Lord of all. And some of us are going through storms right now. Um, there, are, there are experiences that we're having. And there are situations in our lives. For some of us, it's physical sickness. For others, it's um, relational heart pain that feels like a storm. And Jesus says to us this morning, I'm with you. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from my love. Remember that and receive that love afresh this morning. Can we sing that chorus one more time? Through the storm. And so even as we sing those words, that it's only in his will that we're free. And maybe some of us today think, well, I'm, I'm living my life, but I don't feel very free. And I, I want to just take a moment. And we've just sung about I surrender all, right? Like all, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. But are we really surrendering all? And you're welcome to sit down right now. But I, I feel like the Lord would have us to take a moment with the searchlight of Jesus right on our hearts and on our lives and on our actions this week. And there's time to confess our sins. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so let's just take a moment in silence. And Lord, would you turn your searchlight of your Holy Spirit on us, your good, gracious, loving Holy Spirit, And, Lord, would you show us those sins or those ways that we haven't walked in your way? And, Lord, we just sang all for Jesus, all for Jesus. Lord, would you show us if there's anything in our lives or um, anything that might be considered an idol, something that we're hanging on to that we haven't completely entrusted over? Or would you bring those things to mind and help us to name them and confess that as sin? And so, Lord, for all these things that you've brought to our minds and we've confessed, our sins, our actions, our greed, our wanting to do things our own way, our independence, Lord, we confess that as sin before you this morning. And Lord, we turn from those ways and we choose to walk in your freedom and in your grace. And so thank you for forgiving us our sins and cleansing us now, Lord, from all unrighteousness, breaking off shame in Jesus' name, breaking off condemnation. Lord, I thank you that we can stand holy before you because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I want to invite our children and children's workers to go for children's worship. So Mr. Mark and Rebecca are back there, and we bless you to continue to go and worship the Lord. And I'm going to invite the Mulders, uh, Tim and Carolyn, to come and join me up front here. 
So we sang about one holy Catholic church, right? We were singing in the, that song about the creed. So come on, Carolyn, and um, we believe in the church, and the Lord is growing Gold Avenue Church. And this morning we have the privilege of hearing from Tim and Carolyn Mulder. Say hello, yeah, yeah. So um, they are going to give us just a snapshot of um, their walk with the Lord, some way that they've come to know Jesus more, or whatever else the Holy Spirit has put on their hearts to share with us in a couple of minutes. We get to get to, uh, uh, to know them a little bit more today, and then much, much more in the weeks and months and years to come. All right, so Tim. Well, thank you, Gina and, and Dave and everyone. Um, I think I'm going to skip a bunch of that stuff. And, and just a, two things that, that were on my heart. First of all, it says we're joining Gold Avenue Church, but you can't really join a building. Um, I'm joining Gold Avenue Community or family or friends. And um, being Mother's Day, my mom's over there. Say hi, Mom. Um, <laughs> um, but but it, it occurs to me that you don't get to choose your family that you're born into, right? But you get to choose your church family. And we're getting to choose our church family today and when we're expressing that. And that's, that's such a, uh, that's a cool thing, something to think about. And, you know, if I went through all the ups and downs of my life, we wouldn't have much time. So you're right, that's for other times. One of my favorite verses is from Ezekiel 36. And I won't even read all of it, but it, it, just, it just strikes me so much because I spent a lot of time with a hard heart um, going to church and being indifferent and, and just being strong in my own self. And then, of course, when you're strong in yourself, what do you find out? You're, you're really not. Like corner strong when weak made strong. What, a, what an awesome line that is because that's what we are. Um, so, so this is a message to Israel, but it's also to us. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. This is, this is my favorite part. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Isn't that awesome? And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, capital S, my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So I'm at my time limit. I wanted to ask you, when did Jesus do that? When did he give you a soft heart? um, Yeah, I, I never remember days or months or even barely how old my kids are. So... So, was it last no, it was a long time ago. Um, it, it was quite a long time ago, but it was about halfway really into our marriage, I think. Um, um, part of that was, as I was recalling after you guys talked to us, a day Cloris weekend that I went on. Um, it was crazy. It was the Holy Spirit working because he was trying to, trying to get the guy next to me in my, in my cube to go. And so I thought, well, Carolyn's been doing all this religious stuff, so, so I'll go to this retreat thing. And so I shocked my boss, and, of course, God had a lot of other ideas and, and, and kind of 
gave me a soft heart or softened my heart then. And, you know, it's, there's been the, the peaks and valleys are much, much less than they had been, obviously, before. But, um, absolutely. Thank you. Carolyn, we'd like to hear from you um, about Jesus' work and, and um, yeah, who he is to you. Uh, wow. I'm like Tim. Um, uh, I could be here a long time. I have many stories. I have, uh, God's brought me through ups and downs. But one thing I know that he's constant. He's constant. And um, I think I was excited about, I'll just tell a snippet, Jesus about age 17. And that's, Jay, where the gift of evangelism came. And I and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. And and then other things happened in my life, college and life happened. And I had a verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I really didn't know what that verse meant. And I kind of dropped off the Christ part. And it was I can do all things through myself. So I've always been a strong-willed I can do it myself. And um, through a lot of a lot of ups and downs, um, God has... Uh, has shaped and, and molded me. And I was thinking about the passages about who God is. She said, ask me who Jesus is. But um, if you want to know who God is, Psalm 91, the Lord is my refuge and my strength. He is my fortress. Um, and um, and uh, if you want to know who Jesus is, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And if you want to know who, I, who the Holy Spirit is, and you want to go to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord anoints me, and he falls upon me. And I did not, my life changed about in 2000 and, let's see, 2011. I was always walking with Jesus, but I really didn't know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I learned about the Holy Spirit, my life um, changed tremendously. And it was through the Holy Spirit that I have been healed within these last five years. It's been a gradual change because God is a gentle God. He's a loving God. He cares about every one of you. He just loves you so much. And he knew that I needed bit by bit by bit by bit. And and there's probably still things to be healed. Um, but I truly believe that I have victory in Jesus Christ now. And... I just love, I love the Lord, I love Jesus, I love the Holy Spirit, um, and yeah, you need the Holy Spirit. And this couple comes to us as he comes with all of us with varying gifts, right? And we see some of these gifts even as they speak. And so um, we are so excited to um, invite you to reaffirm your faith and um, to become part of this Christian community who you get to choose, but the Lord chose you, and actually I believe has here. So um, I'm going to ask you, Tim and Carolyn, as you stand here in the presence of the Lord and his people to respond to these questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin? And do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as the Lord of your life? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God revealing Christ and his redemption and that the confessions of this church faithfully reflect this revelation? The third question is, do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism 
and do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? And fourth, do you promise to do all you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority, and do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? Tim and Carolyn, what is your answer? I do. Yes, I'm just going, yes! (laughs) It should be added into this into this liturgy, the, the cheer and the shell, right? And, um, I just want to do that after everyone. And, um, I know we say, yes, Lord helping us, but my life has truly changed since I have learned about the workings of the Holy Spirit, that not only the transforming power uh, that was within me, but also how he helps us walk every day. And I wouldn't do it one day without the Holy Spirit and God in Jesus. Amen. And so, church, um, do you promise and do we promise that we will love, that we will pray for, we'll encourage, and we'll use our gifts to build this couple up? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Let's, let's um, pray. Pastor Ray, would you come join me? And let's pray a blessing over the Mulders as they join our church. Lord, I, um, you just stay right here, Carolyn. We're going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for Tim and Carolyn. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you have met them, that you've, you've replaced a hard heart with soft hearts. Lord, you've replaced self-reliance with dependence on you. Lord, you've put your word deep in their heart, and they both love your word, and they love to speak your word and to speak of you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for them. We pray that you would um, plant them deeply into the body here, Lord, that you would help them to be a blessing and to be blessed. Lord, I pray that they would receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing Mm -hmm. from the members of this church as we love one another and love you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you've given gifts to each of them. We pray that you would um, stir up, fan those gifts into flames and um, use them. Uh, Lord, we ask you specifically to draw them beyond where they're comfortable, but into the realm of faith, uh, to use their gifts to serve you, to build up this church, and to call more to you. Uh Lord, we pray that you would um, both deepen and and, uh, set within their hearts and deepen an unquenchable uh, hunger and thirst, not only for righteousness, but for the world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they would be a part of the great work that you're doing in this church and on the west side to draw others to you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you again that they don't do this in their own strength, that they do it in your strength, and we entrust them to you day by day. Amen. Amen. And we continue our family prayer time now. And so for those of you who are guests, we just pray from our seats. And so pray nice and loud. We've got the fan on this morning. But we're praying to the Lord and bringing our praises, our prayers, and petitions to him. And so, Lord, would you prepare our hearts now for the preaching of your word? Lord, I pray that you would come upon Pastor Dave, that you would give him your words for us, Lord, help him to deliver them clearly, help us to hear them, hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to the church this morning. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to whoever turned the fans off. Appreciate that. I was going to ask for that too. So, we are continuing to work our way through the Gospel of Luke. And we're at chapter 6, verse 17 to 19 this morning. Thank you, Vic. 1603, if you've got one of the blue Bibles. need to tell you a couple of things before I um, read scripture and begin to preach. I really was tempted to um, preach longer than just these three verses. seems like a short passage, uh, but there was too much in here to move on and start preaching the blessings and woes section that comes next. There's a lot packed into these three little verses. So when I finished writing the sermon on Saturday, I won't tell you at what time, but about five minutes after I finished writing it, I received an email in my inbox with a seven-minute video that literally um, was the exact kind of theme of the sermon, just bringing it home. And it, and it was um, one of those where you just said, Lord, this is you and this is perfect. So we're going to watch that video to finish out the sermon. And a uh, second neat thing about it is that the, it comes from a sister Christian Reformed church of ours in London, Ontario. And the pastor who's featured in the video was actually the pastor who was mentoring me when I was starting to consider going to ministry about 16 years ago. So it was so neat to get that in the inbox and see his face. I haven't talked to him in over 10 years. And we'll watch that uh, immediately coming out of the sermon. Okay, Luke 6, 17 to 19. I'm going to read it twice through. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Can you put a hand up if you've ever heard the name John Wimber before? Who's heard of the Righteous Brothers? Righteous Brothers? Okay. Before coming to know Jesus, John Wimber was a beer-guzzling, drug-addicted jazz musician who um, actually managed the Righteous Brothers. And in 1962, John uh, had a miraculous conversion experience in Las Vegas at a weekly Quaker, Quaker's a, a group of Christians, weaker Quaker Bible study. Well, immediately after coming to know Jesus, John just became this voracious Bible reader. 
He could not get enough of the scriptures. They excited him. He was in them all the time. And about uh, a month or two into reading all of all of the life-transforming miracles that Jesus was doing in Scripture, and then on Sunday going and attending what felt to him like rather uneventful and what he says were boring church services, John uh, went up to one of the leaders in the church and he asked him, hey, when do we get to do the stuff? The leader looked at him and he said, well, what stuff? Well, John said, well, you know, the this, this stuff that Jesus did. And, and the leader said, well, we don't do that stuff. And John looked at him and he said, well, what do you do? And the leader said, well, we do what we did this morning. We, um, we read the Bible and we, we pray and we sing. John was incredibly frustrated by that response. He loved the Bible. He loved to pray. And he loved music. He was a musician. But he could not understand why, if Jesus had the power to transform hearts and lives, the church wouldn't be sharing in Jesus' ministry. And so John began to question the church. He began to ask them this question. What does Jesus intend for the church to do? What does Jesus intend for his church to be? It's a question that Jesus actually begins to answer for us this morning. And it's really interesting, especially interesting, if we allow ourselves to kind of back up a few weeks and to remember what we heard when we witnessed Jesus give Levi that radical call, follow me. Remember that? Remember what we heard those words meant when a rabbi finally said the words to a young, a young man, follow me? That meant that he, meant, he was saying to him, become like me. Exactly like me. Think like I think. Speak like I speak. Do like I do. And so the disciples have been watching Jesus. They've been watching him the last four chapters or the last two months that we've been preaching. They've been watching him preach with love and humility in such a way that, that his words just seem to connect with hearts and they change lives. And they've been watching Jesus minister and touch people with compassion. They see him kneel down in front of the leper and say to him, I am willing, be clean. And Jesus touches the untouchable. And they watch people just weep with gratitude as Jesus releases them from lifelong burdens of sin. And they watch, they watch people just jump up with joy and praise as Jesus brings healing to their bodies. And they begin to feel the pressure stiffen and stiffen against Jesus by the religious authorities until finally last week we saw and they saw the Son of God go up a mountain to talk to his Father and spend the night alone with his Father in heaven. And guided by his Father, they saw him return from the night in prayer and designate new leadership for the people of God. Why? Because the twelve tribes of Israel were rejecting God's leader, Jesus, and so Jesus is replacing them. That's what happened. He replaced the leadership of Israel, twelve new apostles. This is who now represents God. 
Twelve men who are not only to be disciples, becoming like the rabbi, but those who very shortly are actually going to be entrusted with representing Jesus, standing in his place, doing what he's doing, speaking what he's speaking, healing as he's healing, loving as he's loving, personal representatives of Jesus Christ. So you can bet that these 12 men, when they come down that hillside with Jesus and when they stand on the plateau, they're now watching him pretty closely. He's just said to them, you're apostles. I'm designating you. You're going to be personal representatives. You can bet they're watching him pretty closely. Well, what is it? What is it that we're supposed to be saying and doing? And when they follow Jesus onto that hillside plateau this morning, they, I think they see the most beautiful thing in all the world. There's that large crowd. Luke says a great crowd of people from Judea, Jerusalem, the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon. That's the, all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea. There's thousands of people gathered, thronging around, trying to get near to Jesus. And Luke says he's healing their diseases. He's driving away spirits that trouble and afflict. And power is coming out from him to them all. Well, I'd like to invite us to step into this scene and imagine it in just a little bit more detail. Because this group of thousands isn't just a group of thousands. It's made up of individuals, men and women and children who all have a story. Every one of them is just like us in that they have a story. They've all got their own griefs, heartaches, sicknesses, Troubles, worries, fears, anxieties, things they've endured, they've all got a story. There are people who've been abused, they've been betrayed, they've been lied to, they've been rejected. There are people who've done all of those things. There are people whose bodies are breaking down and they've been reduced to begging and it's humiliating. There there are people whose lives have just been ravaged by the destructive work of sin and of Satan. They're wounded hearts, they're confused. Minds, their broken bodies, their damaged souls. You know what? When Jesus stands on that hillside plateau, and when Jesus ministers and power is coming out from them, here's the most important thing. Jesus loves every single one of them. He loves every person that comes to him. And this power is coming out from Jesus to heal and to cleanse. I can't imagine that Jesus was just kind of walking around just touching people, you know, just kind of patting or bopping or letting them touch him and, you know, just one here and one there and like it was ho-hum, you know? I don't imagine that it was nothing to Jesus. But I imagine or I believe that for as many of those people as Jesus could, he was eyeballing them. He was looking them in the eyes He was taking them by the hands or by the shoulders or cupping faces in his hands and he was making personal contact with them and he was saying, Daughter, be healed. Your body is restored. Right now, stand up and walk and know that your Father loves you. That he was saying, Oh, dear one, I know what it is. I know what it is that happened to you as a little boy. I know, and I'm so sorry. And right now, the Father comes to you and He heals your heart. He says that wasn't His will. 
He didn't mean for that to happen. He loves you. He's present with you. And he goes to this one and he says, Friend, let me bring your secret sins out into the light. They can't be healed unless they come out. I know that you've done such and such. And I want you to know that your Father forgives you. And he says, shame, go away. Guilt, go away. This one is mine. Now live in that love and forgiveness. Be filled with peace and joy. And he says, daughter, rejection is not your inheritance. Emptiness is not for you. No. Daughter, I want you to know that your life has always mattered to God. There's things in your life that have made you feel like you were forgotten or like God didn't remember. He, didn't, he wasn't caring for you. But I want you to know, daughter, that your life has always mattered. The Father loves you. He fills you with His love right now. Live in that love and go and serve out of it. And He looks at this one and He says, Satan, release your grip on this life. Untangle, disentangle yourself from his mind. Confusion, leave. Deceit, leave. That this one can know the truth and that the truth can set them free. And the truth is, dear one, that you're loved. That your sins are forgiven. Now live in that love and let it produce holiness and joy in you. And he says to this one, fear, leave. Don't be anxious about anything. You have a Father in Heaven who's always with you, who cares perfectly for you, who knows your every need. And he, and he goes to this one and he says, Son, what you're really hungry for is God. Stop chasing. Stop trying to fill your hunger with other things. And son, right now, be, just be blessed to be filled with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and for your Father in Heaven. And as you hunger for Him, He's going to fill you, son. He's going to fill your life. And he says to this one, despair, leave. Leave. Father, fill this this heart with comfort. Fill it with courage. Fill it with hope. Son, stand up and walk. Your legs are healed right now. Son, use these legs and, and take them to take the message of Father's love far and wide. Daughter, son, friend, touch, hug. Cupping, love, power, out to cleanse and to heal. And you can just see it. That like light is coming into people's lives and darkness is being pushed back. And every time, I just imagine that every time Jesus touches one and something leaves or someone is filled with the Father's love or someone is healed, that there's a reaction. That someone goes, whoa, I feel light. I haven't felt this light in years. It's like, it's like a thousand pounds just came off my shoulder. Like a massive weight has left me. And another one starts weeping because they feel like, finally feel truly forgiven like that thing they've been carrying and that all their life and that's been hidden, it's gone. Jesus brought it out into the light and He forgave it and it's gone. And so they're just weeping. And people are starting to hug Jesus and they're shouting and some of them are just singing. They're so overjoyed. And the, Can you imagine the, the people that um, are getting physically healed? They're just... <clears throat> I can walk! I can walk! <laughs> can you imagine that though? What does that do to the, the faith of others? You know, the, the environment within God, within which God works is faith. 
We need faith to approach Jesus and ask Him to do things in our lives. And as He's healing each one, faith is kindled and then more are coming to Jesus. And faith is kindled and more are coming to Jesus. And and the apostles are watching very closely. And the apostles are learning that to join Jesus in His ministry is to share in God the Father's work of restoring hearts and lives. And the apostles are seeing that just a word or a touch from Jesus and a life is made new. They are observing Jesus embrace people whose lives in one way, shape, or form look like this cup. Remember this cup a month ago? And they're seeing that with Jesus' words and with Jesus' touches and with power from heaven, Jesus is coming around those lives and He's healing them with the life and the love of God. And they're learning that to represent Jesus To be an apostle or a disciple is to be a restored restorer, a loved lover, a healed healer, a forgiven forgiver, a liberated liberator. To represent Jesus is to share in His work of restoring hearts and lives to God's original creational intent. Bringing shalom, peace, wholeness, and God's love to every aspect, hearts and lives. And you know what else they're learning? There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to heal minds. There is power in the name of Jesus to heal hearts, bodies, to forgive sins, to drive back and beat, beat back and drive out the kingdom of darkness. And they're being prepared to work in the power of Jesus' name. That's what they're being prepared for. They're being prepared to be entrusted with that same power to share in Jesus' authority. Because in only three short chapters, we're in six, when we get to nine, we're going to see Jesus send out twelve with power and authority. He's going to say to them, drive out demons, cure diseases, proclaim the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. And then one chapter later, chapter 10, we're going to see Jesus send out 72 more, same instructions. And then the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts, we're going to see the the resurrected Jesus pouring out His Holy Spirit to clothe the whole church, His body, with power to take the good news to the ends of the earth, to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, to heal the sick and to drive out evil spirits. You see the pattern? Jesus 12:72 church This morning's hillside plateau scene is part of a much much larger pattern and what I believe is so beautiful and interesting about this scene is what it seems to be teaching us about making disciples because uh, you you might remember that last week Pastor Gina talked to us after the sermon about how we have many new Christians And we have many needs in this church 
for helping people to grow up in Christ. And so we're, she called us to a month of fervent prayer. She said, pray, church, and ask, Father, what does it look like for us to make disciples in this context? There's lots of good programs. There's lots of good discipleship materials. There's lots of ways that lots of churches can do things. What does it look like for us here to grow men, women, and children up in Jesus Christ? Well, here we are watching Jesus grow people up to be disciples and apostles. But it doesn't look like what many of us have experienced as a model for discipleship. It's not a classroom. It's not a Sunday school room. Not that those things are bad at all. They're actually quite good. Jesus visits the synagogues on Sunday and Jesus teaches from the Bible. But it seems that Jesus' primary way of inviting people to know him and to become like him seems not to be classroom-based seems to be primarily hitting the streets or the hillsides and doing the stuff, to use John Wimber's words. Jesus takes people with him. He says, come with me. Come follow me. He takes people with him as he sets about doing his Father's business in the power of the Holy Spirit, healing, delivering, forgiving, cleansing, and renewing lives. And his followers watch. They watch him work. And then, as he's working, and they're watching, he mentors them. And he tutors them along the way. And so they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Because they see something in him that they don't have. They don't know know Father like he knows the Father. And so they say, teach us to pray. And he teaches them to pray. And then they say, well, why couldn't we drive out that evil spirit? And he explains to them, well, that kind comes out only by fasting and prayer. You need to fast and pray. Fast and pray. And then he says to them, you know, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea and it'll be moved. And they say, well, give us more faith, Jesus. Give us more faith. And then they say later, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. He says, don't don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That's the big deal. You see, but you see this. This back and forth, Jesus ministering, disciples asking questions, Jesus debriefing, disciples stumbling, Jesus encouraging. It's a, it's a dynamic on the job, on the job, on the way, a dynamic well-ministering relationship. <clears throat> Jesus encountering people or people encountering Jesus with the love and the power of God. It's Jesus. The basic recipe is Jesus bringing the love and the power of God into people's lives he encounters them to change them. And then the disciples getting to watch, to learn, and finally to share in Jesus' work. And so maybe we need to ask ourselves, church, this morning and this month, maybe we need to ask ourselves, what did Jesus' methods of preparing others to share in his ministry tell us about how we might grow to join Jesus in his ministry? And about how we might prepare other people to join Jesus in his ministry. Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus is longing to encounter people with the love and the grace of God on the streets of Grand Rapids, on the streets of Lansing and London and Niagara Falls, everywhere. Jesus is alive and longing to encounter people with the love and the grace of God the Father. And how many of you know that what everyone in the world needs is an encounter with Jesus Christ? That's what they need. They need an encounter with the forgiving, healing, cleansing love of God. Whatever way that comes. 
You know, when I think about um, people encountering, being encountered by Jesus, I think about um, Jay. Would you just put up a hand? Jay Knobloch. Jay's going to join Gold Avenue Church in a month. Uh, Jay, how long have you been taking teams of, of, um, of people to the streets? Two, three years? Two and a half? Two and a half, three years. Jay's been just routinely, week in and week out when he's in Grand Rapids, taking teams of people downtown and onto the streets of Grand Rapids and just simply praying, Lord, would you use us to bless people? Would you show, would you lead us to people who need an encounter with Jesus Christ? And um, would you lead them to us? That's all they do. Simple recipe. Pray and listen for the guidance of the Holy Spirit as they go out. You know what? When they go and they pray for people, they see people healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, born again into the kingdom of God. People are encountering Jesus. And actually this past week, Jay um, took Andrew, Sisson, and Tommy. Tommy went out with them. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. To, to, I'll just interject my own sermon here for a quick second. You guys would have been so proud. Tommy just kind of, no qualms about it, jumped in, took over, and started ministering. Three minutes. Tommy's a new convert, for those of you who aren't, aren't uh, from Gold Avenue Church. He came to know the Lord this, this last, the last few months. And uh, he was just in there like he'd been doing it all of his life, wasn't he? Well, during the course of the evening, they actually made the connection that Tommy and Jay had met before, and Jay had prayed for Tommy before Tommy was a Christian, when he'd been out on the streets ministering. So this was um, so beautiful because it was one of the encounters with Jesus' love that Tommy had had that was a part of the pattern of God drawing him to himself. So church, here's what I want to say to us this morning. It's really simple. Let's pray to be and become a church that more and more is simply a group of people through whom others encounter Jesus Christ. Let's consider how our our thoughts about discipleship might be bent toward Jesus' methods. Let's be a church that is together praying, Father, show us how to help people encounter you. Show us how to pray for them. Show us how to speak to them. Show us how to bring hope. Show us how you want to bless them. Show us when you want us to pray for healing. Show us how to pray for your love to be poured out onto hearts and lives. And Father, even as this draws us way out of our comfort zone and far beyond our human abilities, we pray for the same empowering of the Holy Spirit that you poured out at Pentecost. Father, clothe us too with the love and the power of Jesus. Father, teach us to do the stuff that Jesus did, even as Jesus taught his own followers. Tim, would you play that video? And so at this time, I'll invite the worship team to come up and we're going to take the offering and sing about the Lord's great name. And so I invite us to stand as we worship him. The Lord's great name. He who is, I am. He blesses you 
and he imparts to you faith, more faith, faith to believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So receive that faith. Receive it. Receive it as a gift. Sometimes people just take that blessing and just take it right up to their heart. But receive that blessing of more faith to believe that he is who he says he is. Because, church, it's all about him and him working through us. And so be blessed in this day. Continental breakfast there. Um, Another couple of announcements. We are so delighted that Nate Visser is going to be joining us as an intern here this summer. And so we're going to commission him next Sunday. Yeah? (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. And, and Nate is going to be giving some guidance and leadership to a Wednesday night uh, or Wednesday or Thursday night prayer training this summer. And so if you've got a preference on which night would work better for you, please let Nate know. All right. And um, I think that is it for announcements today. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, Vic. That is not it for announcements. Vic um, is in need of a ride to Battle Creek on Wednesday. He needs to be down in Battle Creek about 11. So if you could give our brother a ride to a medical appointment, um, that would be such a blessing. And for those of you that have a prayer need, there will be some of us up here to pray. And so um, be blessed for fellowship, for prayer, and for the rest of your day.